Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and more importantly, welcome back, Giants fans, to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast, the podcast that is home to all things Giants baseball. Folks, before we dive into today's show, I would like to take a moment to let you know that you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, then don't be afraid to subscribe. And if you really like the show, then make sure to leave a review. But most importantly, make sure to spread the word. With that being said, let's dive right in. Well, would you look at that? The Giants won not only one game against the San Diego Padres, but two games. That's right. The Giants won the series in San Diego, which is also considered to be one of the best offenses in all of baseball. Welcome back, everybody, to the Say Hey Podcast, episode 44. I'm your host today, James Donahue, as I am for every show. And like always, I've got a great show for you today. So along with recapping the final two games of the San Diego Padres series, I'm also going to be giving you five of my own takeaways that I've gathered and collected based off what I've seen throughout these first six games played during the regular season. And finally, after that, I will then give you a preview of what to expect or what maybe we can expect from this upcoming series against the Colorado Rockies. All right, sound good? Great. Well, you kind of don't really have a choice. This is what I'm recording. All right. Oh, yes, of course. Before we move on and do any of that, I just want to formally apologize and say that for some reason during Tuesday's episode, I thought that the Giants were taking on the Marlins after the Padres. I have no idea why I thought that. That just wasn't true. False advertisement. My apologies. They will eventually take on the Marlins, but right now they're going to take on the Colorado Rockies at home for the first home series of the regular season. How exciting is that? And more importantly... The Giants organization is allowing fans back into the stadium. It's going to be at a limited capacity, obviously, but nonetheless, fans are allowed to walk through the gates again. So it's definitely exciting to see that little by little, day by day, the world is slowly but surely coming back to normal. All right, here we go. Let's get on with the rest of the show. Game two recap against the Padres. Remember that the Giants won the first game. But, however, they did not win the second game. And even though that's true, there are still things I want to mention, and that's Aaron Sanchez. Although I would have liked to see an improvement in his velocity, Sanchez still exceeded my expectations by holding the Padres to only one run. He finished his night going six innings, giving up six hits, only one earned run, and struck out four batters. Something else to note is that five of those six hits that he gave up, five of them were only infield hits. Another important note from Sanchez's start is that he did not walk any batters, which is huge when you're dealing with this Padres offense, and he suppressed hard contact the entire night. Ideally, I would love to see an uptick in Sanchez's velocity, but in the meantime, all right, I'm also happy with the way Sanchez did not yield any free bases. The offense that game, well, there's not too much to talk about. Yu Darvish pretty much had his way with the Giants hitters, especially the left-handed ones. Dickerson went 0 for 4. Belt, 0 for 3. Yaz, 0 for 3 with a walk. Wilmer Flores, 0 for 4. Longoria, 0 for 3. And the list goes on and on. 
Thankfully, though, Crawford gave us fans a little bit of excitement when he launched a home run off Darvish to make the score one to nothing. But of course, as we all expected, one run was not enough to outduel the Padres. As for the dreaded relief pitchers, there's really nothing that stands out too much to me other than Matt Whistler continues to struggle. Wendy Peralta, Jarlin Garcia, Reyes Maranta were all able to keep the Padres' bats relatively quiet, but the damage surrendered by Whistler proved to be too detrimental for the Giants to come back from. One of the reasons why I started this podcast is because I want to help people understand, and more importantly, Giants fans understand that this team may not be as bad as they seem. But unfortunately, you know, I can't really give you guys any hope when it comes to this bullpen. If the Giants organization wants to win games and keep fans happy, then something has to be done by the inconsistency and lack of success from these bullpen arms. It's not fair to the starting pitchers who have all pitched well so far this season, and it's not fair to you guys as fans who experienced this enough during the 2020 season. I'm officially calling out the Giants front office and Giants coaching staff. Fix the problem. Moving on to the final game of this three-game series, starting with Kevin Gosman. And there's not too much to say other than Gosman's velocity definitely improved from last week. The strikeouts aren't happening as frequently as last year, but at this point, I think I'm just being a little too picky. There's nothing to complain about with Kevin Gosman at this point in the season. He pitched phenomenally well, going seven innings, I might add, against the Padres, and again, proving that he can be a consistent threat on the mound to opposing hitters. Moving on to the offense, I'm just going to say thank God for right-handed batters. Evan Longoria continues to get big hits. In the second inning, Longoria led the inning off with a double. And then, of course, following that, Darren Ruff hit a ball deep, but it didn't actually go over the fence until the Padres center fielder Jorge Mateo accidentally helped it go over the fence when the ball bounced off the heel of his glove. But luckily for Ruff, he hit another hard ball off the glove of Manny Machado, which led him to get on base for a second time during the game. And even though Slater did not get a hit this game, he still managed to walk twice and steal a base. And as for the relief pitching during this game, man, I I don't know. I just don't know. I, I truly just do not trust Tyler Rogers. He seems like an amazing guy. I'm not trying to say anything bad about his character or who he is as a person. But as of right now, I, I just can't trust him on the mound. Gosman was keeping the Padres' batters off-balanced all game through seven innings. And as soon as Rogers steps on the mound in the eighth inning... He gives up a home run. Luckily, the Giants somehow figured out how to win in extra innings against the Padres when they were the away team. It's just frustrating that it had to get to that point in extra innings. But anyways, like I said, the Giants won two games out of three. Happy about that. Moving on. Here we go. All right, my five takeaways after six games of the regular season. First one, it's going to be the starting pitching. I have been pleasantly surprised with what I've seen so far the first time through the rotation. Gosman has been absolutely fantastic. Nothing more to say about that. Cueto, you know, he was okay in his last start. Again, there will be runs that are going to be given up when he's on the mound, but it's encouraging to see how effective his changeup is right now. He was able to rack up seven strikeouts in 5.2 innings, which is definitely something to be happy about. So hopefully he can continue to keep batters missing and keep them off balanced. Logan Webb. I personally think Logan Webb's best starts are yet to come. With each and every start, I believe he will become more and more familiar and comfortable with his changeup he was masterfully controlling during spring training. Again, Logan Webb did not pitch a terrible game against the Mariners. He only gave up three runs. It was just frustrating to see the Giants' bats becoming silenced 
during the entire game, failing to score any run and give him any run support. Anthony Desclafani. You know, besides Gosman, Desclafani, I'm going to have to think of a new nickname for him, Dasani. Anthony Desclafani is becoming another pitcher in this rotation the Giants staff can rely on every time he steps on the mound. During his start against the Padres, he held the offense to only one run, struck out four, and only gave up four hits in five innings. The only thing I will say about Desclafani is that I would love to see if he can go more innings. This was his first start of the year, so there is plenty of time to build up to six inning and seven inning outings. But if Desclafani is going to be another pitcher this team can rely on, it would definitely be awesome for him to go more than five innings, especially with this bullpen struggling. And lastly, Aaron Sanchez. The first thing that comes to mind when I think about Aaron Sanchez's start against the Padres is that it's obvious he wants to compete, and it's obvious he is excited to play baseball again. Sanchez has some fire that he brings to the mound, and it's very fun to watch. However, something I'm still waiting for is the uptick in velocity from Sanchez. During this offseason, Sanchez put on a showcase for teams to come out and watch him pitch, you know, kind of show the world that he can still play baseball. And during that showcase, the reports were saying he was hitting 96 to 98 miles per hour with his fastball. However, during this outing against the Padres, the fastball and sinker both were only averaging 90 to 91. So, the good news is that despite the lack of velocity, Sanchez still managed to suppress hard contact all night. When you look at his stat line, you'll see that he gave up six hits in five innings. But what you can't see is that five of those six hits were all infield hits. And the best part is that he did not walk anybody, and he still managed to collect four strikeouts. What's impressive about Sanchez's start was how he managed to keep the Padres' bats quiet without needing to throw high velocity. I would love to see the velocity from Sanchez, but at this point, we'll just have to wait and see how he develops and progresses throughout the rest of the season. All right, moving on to the next takeaway, and that's going to be the relief pitching. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wowie. Who the heck can this team rely on? Because at this point in time, the one thing that's certain is that this team does not have a reliable right-handed option they can pivot to in this bullpen. It's, it's frustrating. I have no idea what the hell is happening to Matt Whistler. I really don't. And to be fair, Whistler did have a phenomenal 2020 season, which is why the Giants originally went out and signed him this past offseason. He finished last year with a 1.07 ERA, and struck out 35 batters in 25 innings. But for some reason, that type of success has not yet been able to translate into this season. Now, Matt Whistler primarily throws his slider to opposing hitters, but as of late, he's thrown it everywhere else but the strike zone. If he continues to lack control of his most important pitch, then he will not be successful this season. Now, as for Reyes Maranta, he's been a little bit of a question mark this year. At this current time, his velocity is nowhere near what it once was. In 2019, Maranta produced an average fastball velocity of 97.2 miles per hour, and right now his fastball is only averaging 94.2. I will say that Maranta has not been the biggest problem in this bullpen, but the dramatic decrease in velocity is scary. We didn't see Reyes Maranta because during the 2020 season he had shoulder surgery, and it's quite clear that he's still trying to work up to the point he was at before even having the surgery. Maranta is still occasionally hitting 95 miles per hour with that fastball, but during this day and age, everyone throws 95 miles per hour. At this point, we'll just have to see if he can work up to the velocity he once was throwing. Now, as for Tyler Rogers, I've already talked about him enough on this show. All I have to say is pray. Pray every time he comes on the mound because 
it's almost guaranteed he will allow at least one base runner every time he enters the game. In fact, Tyler Rogers is so unreliable that during Wednesday's game against the Padres, when Kapler put him in, he also put in Crawford and Belt into the game because he needed the best defensive players on the field behind him. If that's not a huge red flag, then I don't know what is. As I've already mentioned, the biggest Achilles heel for this team is right-handed bullpen arms because Wendy Peralta, Jake McGee, and Caleb Berger are still doing their jobs. The only damage that's being done is happening when Whistler, Rogers, and Maranta have the ball. Hopefully all three of those right-handed arms can soon figure out how to find success during this 2021 season. All right, moving on to the next takeaway, and that's going to be the lack of errors. This is a great thing. As of right now, the Giants currently do not lead the league in errors, and the best part is that Donovan Solano has made zero. I know, the stars must be perfectly aligned right now. I don't know how this is happening, but just to be exact and let you all know, the team as a whole has only committed two errors on the season which means as of right now, the Giants are currently showcasing the fourth best fielding percentage in all of baseball. Amazing. Now, I know more errors are going to come simply because of how many games are played in a season. But for now, it's definitely nice to see that the defense is proving to be somewhat reliable. All right. Another takeaway that I have and something else that I've observed is the lack of production from left-handed bats. On the year, Brandon Belt has gone one for 13. Alex Dickerson has gone 1 for 12. He does have a homer, though. Tommy LaStella has gone 1 for 6. And Mike Yastrzemski has gone 3 for 22. He also has a homer. Now, with all that being said, in their defense, out of the six games they have played this year, the Giants have faced four left-handed starting pitchers, which means the big-named left-handed bats in this lineup haven't received as many at-bats compared to the right-handed batters on this team. When you're facing left-handed starting pitching for the majority of your games, you want to make sure that you have as many right-handed bats as possible from top to bottom. So as of right now, I'm just going to chalk all of these late starts or slow starts up to the fact that they, A, haven't had enough at-bats or opportunities in order to really get in a groove and produce on this team, and B, they've just faced too many left-handed pitchers right now. So right now, I'm not hitting the panic button on any of these players but I am missing the production from these bats. I would love to see them start to get going against the Colorado Rockies, which primarily all have right-handed arms except one. And especially since it's at home. The Giants play so well at home, especially these lefty bats. So I'm definitely excited to see what these guys can do this weekend. All right, moving on to the last takeaway that I have, the fifth and final one, and that's depth. Something else that is very apparent is this team has the depth they didn't have last year. If there is a left-handed starting pitcher on the mound, this team has enough right-handed bats that can slot into the lineup in order to create the best possible matchups from batting order 1 through 9, and vice versa when there is a right-handed starting pitcher on the mound for the opposing team. And a bench player who is definitely making the most out of every opportunity he gets is Darren Ruff. So far on the year, Ruff is 3 for 9 with 2 home runs. You'll love to see it. Something we may not be used to as Giants fans is seeing so many different variations of the starting roster. However, I assure you all that it's for a good reason. All right, those are going to be all my takeaways so far this season. Again, we have plenty of more games left, but as of right now, the Giants are playing, you know, pretty well. And I expect them to play even better during this series against the Colorado Rockies. So today, at 135, Johnny Cueto is going to take on the lefty Austin Gomer. And the key for this game 
is to keep the big name bats off balance. You have to get them out. I don't care if batters nine get on base. I just need Johnny Cueto to somehow figure out how to get Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story, and Chris Owings out because they have severe ownage against him. Blackman is 14 for 42, which equates to a 333 average, and he's hit four doubles and one home run. Trevor Story, 7 for 24. That equates to a 292 average, and he's hit a double and two home runs. And finally, Chris Owings is 4 for 18 with two triples. If Johnny Cueto can get these three guys out, that's all I ask. I don't care how you get them out, strike them out, ground out, fly out. Just get them out. If there's going to be damage done from this Colorado Rockies offense, it's going to be from these three against Johnny Cueto. As for Austin Gomer, Gomer, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Goober, whatever. He's a left-handed pitcher, all right? And the only thing I know is that there's only been one at-bat, Giants at-bat, against him, and that's Kirk Casale. He had one at-bat, and he walked as well. So that's all we got. That's all the history the Giants have on Austin Gomer, Goober, whatever. However, during his last start against the Dodgers, it did not go well. He pitched three innings. He only gave up one hit and one home Okay, so he must have given up a home run. However, something that sticks out terribly is that he walked seven batters. So I don't know what was up with that. I looked into it even further at his arsenal, and he's primarily a fastball slider guy, and the fastball averages only 91 miles per hour. So, you know, the last time I thought the Giants were going to hit the shit out of a random pitcher, that didn't go very well at all. In fact, the pitcher, Chris Flexen, for the Seattle Manor, shut them down. So I'm not trying to be too cocky again, but my God, like... I feel like the right-handed pitters are going to obliterate this guy. If he throws 91 miles per hour and cannot find the strike zone, I don't know how the Giants hitters won't find success. So I'm definitely excited for this first game. But as for the second game, it's going to be Logan Webb versus Chi-Chi Gonzalez. And again, Colorado Rockies hitters, they've hit Logan Webb very well. Collectively, as a team, they've produced a 346 batting average against Logan Webb. Yikes. Blackman, 2 for 6 with a double. Garrett Hampson, 4 for 6 with a home run. That's ownage. Ryan McMahon, 2 for 4 with a double. Trevor Story, 3 for 7 with a double. Ramiel Tapia, 3 for 6 with a double. Now, the key to this game, I'm not asking Logan Webb to get every batter out. It's impossible. All I'm asking is that he just tries his best to induce soft contact. We have to keep these Rockies hitters off balance. They're just that type of team where you leave a mistake up in the strike zone they're going to hit it every single time, and they're going to launch it, and it's going to go far, and then they're going to score runs. And that's pretty much going to be the theme of these next three games. It's suppressing. Okay, I mean, like, the Rockies are a huge offensive team. We all know this. If you know baseball, then you know the Rockies know how to hit the baseball. And sometimes it's even scarier than the Padres. But the good news is that the Giants also have scary bats, especially at home. Because when you look at the numbers against Chichi Gonzalez, and this is going to be the first right-handed pitcher from the Colorado Rockies. Crawford's gone 3-for-6 with a double and a home run. Alex Dickerson has gone 5-for-8 with three doubles against Chi-Chi. And Yaz, of course, has gone 2-for-5 with a home run. Not only am I expecting the first two games to be high-scoring, I'm expecting all three games to be high-scoring. Because lastly, the final matchup is going to be Anthony Descalfani versus Herman Marquez. Wow, that was pretty good, James. Way to go. All right. Anthony Descalfani, the Rockies have only been able to produce a 151 batting average against him. Great. Charlie Blackman, however, still somehow finds success. He's 3-for-9 with a triple. Chris Owings, 2-for-8. 
And Trevor Story, one for five with two Ks. That's our best bet at this point. However, Herman Marquez, he's another right-handed pitcher. And the Giants have produced a 302 team batting average against him. Belt going nine for 22, a double, two triples. Brandon Crawford, nine for 25, a triple and a homer. Alex Dickerson, six for 12, three doubles. Listella, five for eight. Buster Posey, four for 12, a double and a homer. Donovan Solano, two for three. Yaz, three for eight, two doubles and homer. And the list goes on and on. The Giants know how to hit Herman Marquez, and I need their bats to come alive because this is going to be high scoring. If you want to keep pace with the Colorado Rockies, because there's going to be times where they make you pay, you also have to supply a huge amount of offense on your end as well. And the final two things I'll say about this matchup is that the Giants don't have to face Nolan Arenado. If you don't know by now, he was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals during this offseason. That's right. He's not there anymore, so he's not a threat. We just have to worry about Charlie Blackman, Trevor Story, Chris Owings, and, you know, the Rockies. And the final thing I'll say is that Alex Dickerson, against Colorado last season, every time he just played Colorado, whether it was in Denver or in San Francisco, he was literally the best player on the planet. As a whole, he produced a 462 batting average, hit six home runs, seven doubles, and produced a 1.614 OPS. I'm expecting huge things from Alex Dickerson, but I'm also expecting huge things from the left-handed bats. These next three games should be fun. And you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and give a bold take. I think the Giants are going to sweep. I think they have enough momentum coming into this game from the San Diego series, and I think they're going to be jacked from being at home and seeing the fans for the first time in forever in that park. I think their bats are going to come alive, and I think we're going to witness something special over these next three games. So there you have it. I think it's guaranteed that the Giants can win one game. I think it's highly probable that they can win two games, but I'm going to just go ahead and go straight to the sweep. I want them to win three games. That would be absolutely phenomenal. All right, everybody, that is going to be all for today's episode of the Say Hey Podcast. Thank you so much for your continued support and love of the show. Again, you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you feel so inclined. You can leave a rating as well. Again, I'm your host, James Donahue. That's never going to change. And also, everybody, continue to stay safe, continue to be smart out there, but most importantly, go Giants.